Today I'm going to be sharing on the incredible power of prayer. As we're all stuck at home over these next few weeks, it's so important that we utilize this time to capture what God is saying to us. You know, it's more than just doing jigsaw puzzle, puzzles or, or playing with the kids. And they're all great things to do. But I really sensed in my heart that this is a hidden time where God is allowing us to connect with his heart. And one of the things that we're going to discover in a whole new way is the incredible power of prayer. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to James 5 verse 16. And I'm going to read you this incredible scripture. James 5 verse 16. And it says, The prayer of a righteous person is so powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. You need to know today that Elijah was a man frail like we were, just an ordinary man who loved God and yet he tapped into the power of prayer. And it says in this scripture that as he prayed, his prayers changed the world. In fact, uh, his prayers altered the course of history. And I know in my heart that as many things are changing in this world, both in our own lives and around us, that the power of prayer is still effective today. And God wants us to tap into the power of prayer so we can not just change situations, but we can change the whole nation for, for the Lord. So I want to talk to you today about how we tap into that incredible power of prayer. It's not complex. It's not difficult. It's not just for the super saints, but it's for you today and it's for me today. And if we tap into this power, we truly will see God do amazing things. You know, firstly, prayer was different in the Old Covenant. Old Covenant intercession was directed through men on the earth. But New Covenant intercession is directed through Jesus up in heaven. You know, it tells us in the Old Testament that God was looking for someone to stand in the gap, but yet he found no one. That There was no effective intercessor in the Old Testament, but there was one who was a picture of what was to come in the New Covenant, and his name was Abraham. You may know the story that Abraham, who was a friend of God, he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that city was a terrible city. It had a lot of things going on there, a lot of evil. And Adam, uh, sorry, Abraham interceded for that city. And as he did, he, he began to speak to God about uh, prevailing in that city, protecting that city so it wouldn't come under, under destruction. And so he, he spoke to God and there was this communication backwards and forwards for the, the uh, safety of that city. And, and in the end... Abraham spoke to God and said, Lord, if there were 10 righteous people, would you save that city? And God agreed. And, uh, you know, I'm really encouraged by that because it shows us how God views the earth, how God views cities. That in the old covenant, under old promises, that God worked with man and his heart was for the nations and for the cities. How much more under a new covenant are our prayers effective, not just to change our lives, but to protect and to change a city. But as we read through Scripture, we see in the Old Covenant that God had no one on the earth, nobody on the earth that could effectively represent him. So God began a plan of transitioning 
us from the old to the new, from the old covenant to the new covenant, to the old way of prayer and relating to God, to a new way of prayer and relating to God. You know, in the very beginning, God gave Adam a lease on the earth. It was a lease where he would have dominion over the earth. The, uh, Jesus speaks in Mark chapter 12 of the earth being leased. And I believe the earth was leased uh, for 7,000 years or seven days. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And Adam handed that lease that he, he received from the Lord. He handed that over to the enemy when he was deceived by him. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 1, and I want you to read this with me today. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter by the sheep pen, and the sheep pen is a picture of the earth, by the gate, which is the womb of a woman, but climbs in some other way, that person is a thief and a robber. And we know that's speaking of Satan. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, which is a picture of Jesus. Jesus is telling us in John chapter 10 that the legal entry into earth is always through a body, a physical human body. The legal entry into the kingdom of God is by being born again of the Spirit. So the legal entry into earth is through a human body and the legal entry into the kingdom is through being born again of the Spirit. So our birth certificate is that which gives us legal authority here on the earth. Satan was not born of the earth. So Jesus said in John 10 that he came in via another way. He didn't come in via the gate, which is the womb of a woman. Satan entered into the into earth illegally. So he is a thief and a robber and he has no right to be here. Our birth certificate gives us legal authority before God to exercise dominion and power on the earth. Satan was not born on, on the earth, as I said, so his power is limited and, and his power is only operating through deception and control of man. But likewise, God has limited his power on earth. So if he wants to destroy the works of the enemy, he has to operate through a human body, through a person like you and I. So God had a plan to redeem the earth. And so he sent Jesus into the earth, born of a virgin, giving Jesus a physical body and therefore legal entry into the earth. I hope you're getting that today, that Jesus came to the earth via a gate, which is the womb of a woman. And that gave Jesus legal authority to both work and to pray and to intercede and to pull down all the works of the evil one. The Bible says that Jesus came as the son of man. Again, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, it says, When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire. But a body you have prepared for me. God gave Jesus a body, a physical human body. And that gave him authority to operate on planet Earth. And this body that Jesus had would die and would be buried and resurrected. And then it would multiply into the body of Christ. Are you getting this today? That when Jesus died, his body uh, was placed in a grave, he was buried, but when he rose from the dead, his body multiplied into what we call the body of Christ. And that body of Christ has legal authority on the earth 
before God to operate. God now can use his authority and power via the church body to rule and reign on earth and to destroy the works of the evil one. It's interesting as you read the account of Jesus' life for the first 30 years on earth, he performed no miracles. He didn't raise anyone from the dead. He didn't cast out demons. None of that. Because although he had legal authority, he had a physical body, he also needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon him to empower him to destroy the works of the evil one. So we need to understand today that our authority to pray and to intercede and to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth is based upon two things. Number one, that we have authority on earth because we are the body of Christ. We have a physical body and we are part of the spiritual body of Christ. And we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. And so therefore we can pray, intercede and shift things in the spirit realm. When Jesus rose from the dead, that authority that God had given to him on earth was finished. The moment Jesus was risen from the dead, something shifted in his ministry. No longer did Jesus have authority himself on the earth to perform. So you know when Jesus was raised from the dead, when he came back, he wasn't performing miracles when he walked around with the disciples. He wasn't casting out evil spirits because his ministry had changed. We must understand that the present day ministry of Jesus is not what it was before he was crucified. Everything's changed. Jesus is now working through his body, the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says that Jesus is the head of the church and we are the body. Jesus is now in heaven expecting all his enemies to be made his footstool. Isn't that exciting that the devil is under our feet? Jesus' ministry has changed. Before he died and, and it was on earth, he was the one that was doing the mighty works. Once he died and was resurrected, now he's given us the authority. His body carries out his work. And Jesus is now in heaven waiting for all his enemies to be placed under his feet. And the body has the role now on earth to place Satan under our feet, all his works under our feet. So for Jesus to bring about change to earth, he must have a physical body, a spiritual body to do his work. And we are that body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Do you get that? Every single one of you that can hear my voice, you are the body of Christ. Each one of us equally are the body of Christ. So Jesus is the head. He is now in heaven. And we are his body, as it were. He's the head, we're the body, and we are now carrying out the works of Jesus on earth. And that's really exciting. So we talked about prayer in the Old Covenant. And then we talked about a transition from the Old Covenant into the New Covenant. And now I want to talk to you about how we pray in the New Covenant because this is critical that you understand how we operate in this New Covenant. Well, 1 John chapter 2 tells us that we have an advocate or parakletos with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jesus is our advocate. And this word means 
He is our intercessor. You know, there's lots of people talking about intercessors and everyone needs an intercessor and, and you know, the ministry of intercession. But strictly speaking, here we find out in, in the New Covenant that whenever we read this, this term advocate or parakletos, it's always talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Their role is to intercede through us. So strictly speaking, our intercessor is Jesus Christ. He is the great intercessor and he's praying for us. Jesus is now in heaven and he's praying for us before the Father. The Bible says that he's our forerunner that's gone into heaven who appears now in the presence of God himself. Jesus standing alongside the Father or seated by the Father and he's praying and he's interceding on our behalf. So Jesus represents us in heaven as the spiritual head. So I want you to get this today. Jesus Christ is the spiritual head in heaven and he's representing us, the whole body, in heaven. And now we are representing Jesus on earth as the body of Christ. Do you get that? Jesus is the spiritual head in heaven and we are the body of Jesus on earth. There is a divine spiritual connection. Jesus as the spiritual head, we as the body of Christ on earth. We are in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. So we are in heaven with him right now. But it also says that he is in us as the body on earth. We're in him in heaven and he's in us on earth. There's this connection happening between heaven and earth. Jesus representing us before the Father, praying on our behalf. And we on earth carrying out the will of the Father on earth. So now I'm going to show you how intercession works on the earth. And this is just amazing. I want you to turn now with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And I'll read this to you. It says, In the same way, the Spirit helps or partners with our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray. I know you're like that, and I've been like that too. Just don't know, Lord, I don't know how to pray in this situation. Do I pray this or that? What are you doing on the earth? I'm not sure how to pray. But here Romans says, the Spirit of God is helping us or partnering with us as we pray. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself is interceding. That word literally means to super intercede. Do you get that? The Spirit of God is super interceding for us. It's like intercession on steroids. He's interceding and he's praying for us. And he's doing that with words that are like groans. It's like a stirring of our spirit as we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us. In Romans chapter 8, we see that there are three groanings taking place. In Romans 8.22, creation is groaning and, and, and groaning for the, longing for the freedom of the sons of God. Creation is longing for, the, for us to rise up at this moment, all of creation is like heightened in this moment. And there's a collective groaning in creation because the sons of God and the daughters of God are about to be revealed in a whole new way. Amen. And it says the second groaning is that the groaning that we have, we're groaning to experience the fullness of sonship. Verse 23. So creation's groaning. We're groaning. And it says also in verse 26 that Holy Spirit is groaning that we would fulfill our destiny 
on earth. So this the groaning of creation, the groaning of the body and the groaning of the Holy Ghost within us as we begin to pray. You need to understand that when you pray, something powerful is happening. There's a connection with all of creation. There's a groaning that comes up from the body of Christ. And then there's the Holy Spirit within us all together groaning and praying and a shift is taking place. Verse 27 of Romans 8 says, And he who searches our heart, and I believe this is talking of Jesus, as you'll see in verse 34 of Romans 8. So Jesus searches our heart because he knows the mind of the Spirit, because Holy Spirit is interceding for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Do you get that? We have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the Father all at work when we pray. And we know that in all things, God works together for good, those that love him, those that have been called according to his purpose. What an amazing passage of scripture. Listen carefully. This is what we hear. Both Holy Spirit and Jesus are interceding right now. They are interceding and praying through us the will of God himself. That means every time you pray, Two divine intercessors are praying with you. How amazing that when I pray, when I turn my attention to Jesus today, as I pray, he is interceding. He's taking the will of God and he's praying that through me. Holy Spirit is interceding. Two thirds of the Trinity are actively engaged in intercession, praying the will of God over us. How amazing. I said again, how amazing that the Son and the Holy Spirit are praying every day. And particularly as I begin to engage in prayer, there's this, there's this collective prayer happening between Jesus in heaven praying and Holy Spirit in me capturing those prayers of Jesus because Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ and he's taking the prayers of Jesus. And as I pray, particularly as I pray in the Spirit, as I begin to pray in the Spirit, Holy Spirit is taking the prayers of Jesus and, and he's causing me to pray those prayers out. And what I am doing is I am praying the will of the Father on earth. There's a great picture of this in the Old Testament. Do you remember the story in Exodus 17 where Moses was standing on top of the mountain and he's praying and down below there's Joshua and he's He's waging a war in the natural against the enemy. And we have this picture of Moses who is a type of God. And on one side of Moses is Aaron. And Aaron's the high priest. And Jesus is the high priest. So Aaron's a type of, of Jesus on one side of the Father. And on the other side of Moses is a man called Ur. And his name means light. And he's a picture of the Holy Spirit. So here we have Moses is a picture of God, okay, and he, he's the one that's, that releases his will. So Moses is like God, and on one side is Aaron, and he's lifting up Moses' hand. He's a picture of Jesus, and on the other side is Ur, and he's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And as they begin to work together, what we see taking place is down below, Joshua in the natural begins to find victory as the Father and the Son and the Spirit are working in unison. I find that amazing because that tells us there's a partnership between heaven and earth. 
When the prayers of heaven are released on earth, things in the natural begin to shift. So for Jesus to bring change on the earth, he must, he must have a body to work through. Hebrews 10 verse 5 says, When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. A body. Not just Jesus' physical body, but his spiritual body, which is the bride of Christ. And as we are the bride of Christ, the body of Jesus, we have a legal right to intercede and bring God's will from heaven to earth. Jesus has a legal right to do that as well because we are his body. And, and, and see, God, God, as it were, can't change the world. He, he can't come to the world because the world has a, has a lease on it. And only see, he's given the world to man. The heavens belong to God, but the earth is given to the sons of men. So God can't physically come to earth and change it. He's designated that change comes through a human. You must have a body to affect change on the earth. And because we are now part of Jesus' body, he's the head and we're the body, Jesus is legally able to come through his body and bring the will of the Father to earth. That's how it works. The present day ministry of Jesus is powerful and it's linked to the Holy Spirit in us. So Jesus takes the mind of the Father. He, he sits beside the Father. He hears the thoughts of the Father. Jesus intercedes for us. He then takes the mind of the Father and he begins to pray those prayers on our behalf. You and I who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we, we begin to pray and the Holy Spirit within us picks up the prayers of Jesus, which is the will of God. And as Jesus prays those prayers as our spiritual head, we, because we are the body of Christ, those prayers come through the body. Holy Spirit picks up those prayers within us and he begins to pray those prayers through us. So we begin to groan because we are picking up the prayers of Jesus, the desires of the Father. And we begin to pray those out. We're praying mysteries in the Spirit. I think this is an amazing thing because whenever I begin to pray, I know that the Father has a plan for my life and Jesus is praying out that plan. And as Jesus begins to pray, Holy Spirit within me picks up those prayers and begins to pray them through me. And I know because I am part of the body of Christ, I have legal authority to bring the will of the Father to earth. That's why Paul says, in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. That's not just some sort of magic cure. That's not like a, a scripture we quote to say, you know, everything will work out. No, this follows that we have been the people of God that have interceded through the Holy Spirit, that we have picked up the mind of God for our life. We have heard Jesus pray over our life via the Holy Spirit. We've sensed the urging of the Holy Spirit who's picked up the very mind of the Father through Jesus' prayers and we've prayed them through our life. And as we begin to pick up God's will and we pray that through the authority that we have, then that's what Paul's saying. Now we know that all things work together for good to those that are called according to his purpose. That's why we know we have assurance that things are going to change in our life because we're praying the prayers of the Father. I want to urge you, church, 
Don't waste these next days and weeks playing Scrabble. Well, not too much of Scrabble, but don't waste these times. Pick up the power of prayer. Begin to pray in the Spirit. Allow the Father to pray through you. Allow Jesus to pray through you. Allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. And as we do that, we are going to start to see things shift. As we pray in the Spirit, you're going to sense groanings come up of the Spirit. You'll begin to, maybe the Holy Spirit will direct you to pray for people. Things will come and flash across your mind. You'll, you'll picture someone as you're praying and God will bring them to your attention. That, that's what I'm talking about. We're picking up God's desires for people. And as we pray, it's giving God legal authority on earth to bring a shift. As you pray in the Spirit, all of a sudden you're going to get a thought, an idea about an opportunity. That's the will of God. You're picking up the desires of God for your life. And as we pray in the Spirit, again, we are releasing legal authority from heaven to earth to bring change. I shared at the very beginning that Elijah was a man just like us. He was human. He had his weaknesses and his flaws. But he knew the power of prayer and he prayed earnestly. And he changed the course of history. And I sense that this is a day where more will be achieved on our knees than any other place. That as we learn the power of prayer, of partnering with God, that we, we talk about this is a year of acceleration. That doesn't mean we're going to necessarily work harder or strive more, but we're going to tap into the flow of the Spirit, pick up the mind of God for our life. And as we pray out His prayers and we partner with Him, we will see acceleration. That's why the Bible tells us that can, can a nation be born in the day? Well, not normally. It's impractical. But with prayer, all things are possible. When we pick up the mind of God, the desires of God for our life, and we partner with him, everything's possible. I want to encourage you this week, church, just get alone with God for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever time you have, and say, Lord, would you pray through me? Jesus, I know that you've got access to the very heart of God for my life. And I know that you're praying for me. But I know that unless I partner with you, those prayers will never get to earth. That you want me now to pray with Holy Spirit so your prayers for me will be released on earth. Would you pray through me today? Would you teach me how to pray? The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I said to my heart, this is a time again to get alone with God and say, Lord, would you teach me how to pray? Would you show me the power in prayer? Would you show me what it means to be carried by the Spirit and to pray and to birth things that only can be done through you? So why don't we pray together today, church? Lord, I, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would teach each and every one of us how to partner with you. I thank you for the power of prayer that us as the body of Christ, we are divinely connected with Jesus and that we are able to access the mind of Christ through your spirit. We're able to access the very thoughts of God himself, our Father. And we are able to articulate and pray, even like Romans says with groanings, we're able to articulate your heart for this hour. 
Show us, Lord, how to move mountains in the Spirit. Show us, Lord, how to discover fresh destiny in the Spirit. Show us how to prosper in this hour through your Spirit. Teach us how to pray, Lord. I ask for everyone that hears my voice today that you would take them on an incredible journey of prayer and faith and great results. I bless them all now in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.